0: Our scripture today is from John 3, 10 through 17. This is God's word translation. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you're a well-known teacher of Israel. Can't you understand this? I can guarantee this truth. We know what we're talking about, and we confirm what we've seen, yet you don't accept our message. If you don't believe me when I tell you about things on earth, How will you believe me when I tell you about things in heaven? No one has gone to heaven except the Son of Man who came from heaven. As Moses lifted up the snake on a pole in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Then everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. God loved the world this way. He gave his only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not die, but will have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Amen.
1: So this is the last sermon in our little series about invitation, and kind of the point of the whole sermon. I'm going to take you on a trip this morning, so you've got to kind of go with me on it. But uh, you'll you'll see and and figure out how it all works together. I feel a little like Jen this morning. Uh, this morning, uh, Which, by the way, I've already told her this, but that was some great theology that she shared with us this morning, and, and I'm grateful for it. I have presbyopia. Presby means old. <laughs> and opia has to do with sight. So anybody with presbyopia, and some of you have it, uh, have eyes that are aging and changing. So I don't see things like I used to. I require g- glasses uh, for the slow deterioration of my, my vision. This began when I was about 40. I was in Lubbock at the time. My friend Bill Byers was an optometrist. And I went to Bill and I said, Hey, Bill, I think I'm, I need you. And so he gave me an eye exam and he fitted me with trifocals which was more horsepower than I needed, but uh, he got me on my way to being able to see things. There's another problem with the eyes that's called myopia. Now, some of you have myopia of the eyes. eyes. Your eyes only see things up close. So we call that nearsightedness is another word for myopia. You can read books and newspapers and things like that are easy to see. You can see people who are up close to you. But when things start moving away, they get fuzzy and you, you can't see them. You can't read signs. Myopia can also mean lack of foresight. It can be used in a, in a way that is that is more... Uh, philosophical or more with uh, how you live your life, how you negotiate in life. It means to lack insight on larger issues. So let me give you an example. It's, It's like voting today because of gas prices oh, I can't stand the gas prices, I'm going to vote for this candidate. Never mind that if you get to digging around, you find out that this candidate that you voted for for gas prices also is going to do all these other things that are going to be harmful to you or the people that you love. That's myopia. That's the failure to take into account the larger picture. Uh, Myopia myopia is uh, spending money today for instant gratification. I want that. I like that. That would look good on me. I bet that tastes good. Ignoring the larger issues of what happens to my household budget, what happens to my life when I spend so much money satisfying pleasures of the day, that I have nothing for tomorrow. It's myopia. On a spiritual course, myopia is becoming so local, so close at hand, so focused on issues like what school am I going to, or who am I going to marry, or... Who are my friends going to be? Or what is my job going to be? That you, you don't think about the bigger picture. And so I marry somebody that has terrible implications for my spiritual life, my relationship with God. Not a good decision, is it? Or I take a job that does not allow me in any way to practice my faith. I'm so consumed by it. Now I realize today in today's economy that there are people who are sort of locked to that. I'm not talking about that. I understand that. I get that. Or it's like uh, living a place or having friends or, you know, there's a thousand implications of it. But just kind of living living out of my gut, living out of what it feels like at the moment, what I want to do at the moment, that I never take into account the future and the larger implications of it. I see people do this all the time. All the time. Churches often lack foresight. They are, they are so focused on programs and localism, programs and doing things for this, this bubble, this group, that they don't think about the larger implications of the kingdom of God and what that means for us. I think that is a huge problem. When we never think about, never take a look at what we think God may be doing in the world. First half of John 3 is a conversation between this Jewish leader named Nicodemus and Jesus. Nicodemus was an influential Pharisee, one of the leading political political religious parties in Judaism at that time. Powerful man. And he was a secret follower of Jesus. He was afraid to admit it. So John says, under the darkness of night, Nicodemus goes to Jesus and he says, hey Jesus, I've got a question. And they have this rather robust and interesting conversation at night. Conversation began with Nicodemus telling Jesus that he recognizes that there's something special about him. He recognizes that Jesus has got to have God in his life in some way because of all the signs that he does. Nicodemus is an observer. He sees things happening. And it makes him scratch his his head and go, where does that come from? What does that mean? Who is this guy Jesus? Nicodemus is not afraid to entertain the possibility that he was coming close to the divine he actually begins to think about that maybe maybe this is something of god that i'm seeing jesus tells nicodemus that a particular kind of sight is needed in order to see the things that nicodemus wants to see that's why i started with this whole thing about presbyopia and myopic Jesus says you need to go to your optometrist Nicodemus there's some things that you can't see if you look at John 3 3 uh, in in 3 3 which we didn't read today Jesus replied I tell you the truth unless you are born again you cannot see the kingdom of God now, that's the translation of this Bible, born again. Actually, that's not the word. It's born anothen from above. It's not again. I think maybe it got translated that way because Nicodemus really misunderstands what Jesus is saying and says, how can I be born again? Does it mean I have to go into my mother's uterus and be born again? Misunderstands it. Jesus says, No. You need to be born from above, anothen. Seeing is a lot like buying a dog or... I brought my fountain pen, buying a fountain pen. Before we got a schnauzer dog, we didn't pay much attention to schnauzers. We didn't look at them. We didn't go, oh, look, there's a schnauzer. But our, our daughter really got us to noticing that when we lived in Minnesota. Because the neighbor two doors down, who was Angela's best friend, bred Schnauzers. They're really expensive, and I, on my salary, couldn't afford it. We moved to Kentucky, and there's a guy down the street that has this scrawny black dog, not scrawny, but this ugly black dog in his backyard, and I asked him one day, what kind of dog is that? Schnauzer. Full-bore Schnauzer. I have papers on him. I breed him. I get the fee back from the place that we take this dog. Got to thinking about that. One day I said, can I pay that fee? Can I give you that fee and then you give me a pick of the litter? Sure, we can do that. So I paid the fee and on the right day I go down there and bring home this little schnauzer. We started noticing things seeing starts to take place. We started noticing the things that were characteristic of our our dog. How they behaved, how they learned, what they learned. We started using words like furnishings because that's a reference to the hair that hangs down on a schnauzer if they're properly cut. Back then it was in vogue to get their ears cropped. and We wouldn't do that today. We're smarter than we were then. But we did all that stuff. We, we became familiar with that stuff. And so whenever we'd see a, a schnauzer, we would recognize it. We'd go, oh, that's a dog like ours. Or, or it's like owning a pen. I started using fountain pens probably several years ago now. Uh, we lived in Lodi at the time and I never really thought much about fountain pens until I I started using them and I knew that I liked what I was experiencing when I used it. And Then I found out about nibs, italic nibs, stub nibs, medium and broad and fine nibs. This has a a medium nib, nib on it. I found out about Filling mechanisms. Sometimes you fill a pen with just a cartridge that you plug into it. When the cartridge runs out, you throw it away and stick another one in. When I was in high school, we used to write with pens. And so we'd use those little Schaefer cartridges and we'd carry some with us to school to make sure. If you grew up in Germany like Celine did, she's familiar with that. I know Monica is. In fact, I've given Monica a pen. What I'm saying is, that it takes something to start seeing that. You're probably going, oh, yawn. I can't imagine why I would want a pen. Bev does that. But it's, it's becoming acquainted with it. It's, and that's why Jesus says to Nicodemus, you've got to be born from above in order to see this stuff. Your, your interest deepens when you start to see. That's my whole point, the dogs and the pens. It's your interest deepens. You start to notice stuff that you never noticed before. So Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, you're a newbie, Nicodemus. You've not, not yet begun to appreciate what you're now experiencing. The things that you've noticed, things that you're asking questions about. Yeah, you've noticed that, but you haven't even begun to notice until you, you make the plunge, as it were. Jesus was inviting Nicodemus to venture from his casual interest in what Jesus was doing. He wanted Nicodemus to see the bigger picture of the kingdom of God. I, I guess I, I don't have this in my notes but I, I guess that's really kind of what frustrated me and Bev with the church as it exists, as it gets expressed is so often people don't appreciate the, the kingdom of God they don't look around them to see what God is doing, they don't ever ask that question what could God do with my life if I yielded my life to Him so churches get completely satisfied with programs and and, uh, doing things locally and having people that look like them and and so forth. But they're like Nicodemus. They don't see. They're myopic. Jesus' explanation to Nicodemus, to Nicodemus' question, "How, how do you do these things, Jesus? How do you do this? Those miracles that I've heard about, how do you do that? Where does this incredible wealth of knowledge that you have, where does that come from, Jesus? Jesus gives Nicodemus basically a Trinitarian answer. Now that's a big word. It means God as we see Him being expressed, as we see God being expressed in the Bible. You notice a lot of times I'll use God's name. I'll say, God, ask so-and-so what that person wanted God to do for him. Because I've come to the point in my life where I no longer believe gender is enough to talk about God. I think it's myopic for me to do that. How do you talk about spirit? Well, the way, the way Jesus talks about it is, is He talks about how God loved the world so much that He gave His only Son. God's not this angry person throwing down thunderbolts. God loved the world so much that He gave up His Son. And he talks about the, the Spirit. And I think when Jesus says, it's my opinion, but I think when Jesus says you must be born from above, Jesus is basically saying, uh, Nicodemus, you need an infusion of the Spirit of God in your life. You need somebody to usher you through this life and help you to see things. And then Jesus talks about himself, and this is the third part of the Trinity. Father, Spirit. Son, Jesus says, this is the judgment that the light, the light has come into the world. And he's talking about himself, he's talking about his own ministry. People who love God love the light. They love to stand in the light. Angela sent us a picture of her dog Briggs. It's a really small And Briggs was up on the top cushion of of the couch in the sun coming through the window. And you could just tell Briggs was thinking he was at the day spa. Jesus says, people who understand who I am, who like the light, like to be in the light... This Trinitarian explanation that Jesus Jesus gives Nicodemus is evidence of God's mission. What God is up to, what God wants us to be doing. It was important for Nicodemus to understand this because it gives context context and and, uh, meaning to the signs that you do, which is what he said. Jesus wants wants to lay a foundation. He wants to build a nest for Nicodemus to be able to see all of this and put it in context. Oh, now I get it. God is thoroughly invested in what we are doing if we're doing His work. God is thoroughly invested. So let me, co- let me go back. Father... God gave His Son, Spirit, you must be born from anothen, from above. The light has come into the world. All expressions of this this being that we call God. Now, this is more than just a story about curiosity of Nicodemus. This is more than this guy coming to Jesus by night and saying, Hey Jesus, who are you and what are you about? It's way bigger than that. Nicodemus was, by his question, wanting to look into the mind and plan of God. That's what he's really getting down to here. Jesus tells Nicodemus that only he, Jesus, is qualified to speak about what is going on in the heavenlies. Heavenlies is just a, a code word for the place where God is. It's not a... Actually, it's probably more like next door to us. We talk about people going to heaven and we point up. Not really what the New Testament is saying. Jesus tells Nicodemus that only he is qualified to talk about what's going on in the heavenlies in this place where God is. He, Jesus, is the only one to descend and ascend to heaven. And Jesus' point is this. If you've seen Jesus, you understand the mind and mission of God. Because there it is standing right in front of you in 3D. Jesus would tell us the same thing today. Jesus summarizes the will of God, the mission of God. Outside of Jesus, you cannot grasp what God is doing. God so loved the world that He initiated the coming of Jesus into the world. Probably the most succinct and powerful statement about what God is up to is that verse. There's evidence that Nicodemus became a follower of Jesus, a true blue follower, because he's myopic in 3.2. He's asking questions. He's saying, I don't understand. I want to know more about who you are. And then in John 19, Nicodemus, we're told, who had at first come to Jesus by night, now came after Jesus' death to bring spices About a hundred pounds of spices to anoint Jesus' body. And he comes in the daylight. Big difference. Big change. Now here's my question. Here's what it all boils down to. We know what happened to Nicodemus when he finally got it. You know, he had that V8 moment when he slapped his forehead and said, I, I see it, I get it. Remember Cleopas and his friend on, in Luke uh, 24 have this meal with the risen Jesus and they don't recognize him and then all of a sudden he leaves their presence and they go, why didn't we recognize who was sitting here at our table? How is it that we miss that? My question to you is how is your life significantly different because of your understanding the mission of God? How is your life different because of understanding the mission of God? This is the conclusion of this series on inviting. God is an inviter. That's what God does. That's what Jesus does. Jesus goes to Levi's house with all his friends. Tax collector buddies and probably some prostitutes in there and who knows who else was there. Jesus is an inviter. He shows up. And I think that's what Nicodemus teaches us. I think that this passage in John 3 is just such an eloquent, beautiful statement about what God has done and continues to do in the world. And it's up to us to put our spiritual glasses on and start looking. Let's pray. O God of the Incarnation, God who dwelled among us and accepted the cross, All because of the way that you were, all because of the war you were conducting against sin and death. We know that at times we are limited in our sight. Limited in understanding why you came to earth. Limited because we want to make you ATM God and not the God of the cross. Please give us better sight. May we, like Nicodemus, find that our myopia is cured and we see you clearly. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen.